0: Welcome to another round of the Football Fridays in Georgia podcast here at Georgia Public Broadcasting. Thanks as always for hanging out with us however you subscribe on your favorite podcatcher. It is a three-way dance this time and it is me. It is on the phone from uh statesboro mi compadre and co-pilot tommy palmer and we're going to start off this show talking about national signing day so we bring in gbb sports matt stewart our recruiting guru i think is the official term matt th- thanks for hanging out with us
1: absolutely glad to be here
0: all right so thirty thousand foot view from national signing day matt what are some of your big takeaways other than georgia being number one on the planet when it came to what was brought in
1: Yeah, Georgia was number one in the nation in the 24-7 sports uh, composite recruiting rankings. Interesting enough, though, uh, as far as the number of four and five stars signed in the state, those honors went to Auburn. Uh, There were only four. Five stars in the state, and I say only, that's a good number, Eric Gilbert, Miles Murphy, Broderick Jones, and Will Anderson, and LSU Clemson, Georgia, and Alabama split those four guys, but then when you get into the four stars, Auburn actually ended up signing six of those guys, so they had the highest number of four and five stars signed out of the state of Georgia with six, followed by Georgia with five. And then you've got LSU, Clemson, and Bama with four. Now the other interesting, before we get, I don't want to get too much into the weeds on this, but out of the top 100 players in the state of Georgia in the 24/7 Sports composite rankings, about two thirds of those are three stars. Interesting enough, Georgia Tech signed more than anybody else. They had 12. They had two four stars, and then they had 10 three stars for a total of 12 players out of the top 100 in the state of Georgia, followed by Auburn with a total of nine.
0: Tommy Palmer, wow. next question for you.
2: Well, I, I was going to ask Matt. If Georgia has pretty much, Matt, you, you've been keeping up with this over the last few years. Uh, well, mm-hmm. I think probably 25. So, but uh, Long time. In re- yeah, long time. In, in reality, Georgia has – broaden their spectrum as far as where they will go to take a kid uh they've gone more national have have they just kind of just said okay we surrender the territory here and uh we're going to get the best players in the nation not just here in the state of georgia
1: yeah that's a correct observation I, i wouldn't say they're surrendering uh but they're more choosy in the state of georgia uh, they're just not trying to blanket the state and say, okay, we're just going to sign every big-time prospect in the state uh, because they've now become a national brand. They've become what you know Alabama is, LSU is, Ohio State, uh, Clemson. Uh, those programs pretty much can go anywhere in the nation because of the national brand, because of the national recognition that their programs have produced. They can go anywhere and sign, and Georgia has become – one of those programs that's why you know they signed uh, you know they signed the the one five star for them was Broderick Jones who they got in the last signing period but an offensive tackle rated number two in the country who had been committed to him for two years and then after that they signed four more four stars out of the state of Georgia. So, you know, when you start talking about the numbers, it's really just kind of an interest standpoint. Georgia ended up with the number one recruiting class in the country as you shake it out over the entire spectrum of the nation and the, uh, the quality of not only the four and five stars, but also within those four and five star distinctions, you know, they're, they're, they're higher rated four stars than others. I mean, not all four stars are created even equal, even five stars for that matter. So, uh, yeah, yeah, Georgia. To answer your question, a long-winded answer to your question uh, is that Georgia has become a national brand, and so uh, not to be shaken up by the fact that they didn't end up with more prospects out of the state than some other programs notably auburn and georgia tech
0: but wasn't part of the deal when kirby smart came in was to the all the talk about sealing the border and keeping all the talent at home i mean where did this change
1: i don't think it's changed so much as uh, you know georgia can be more selective i mean you know if there's a if there's a higher rated offensive tackle and that's a bad example because georgia got two of the top three offensive tackles in the country right out of the state of georgia but let's say quarterback let's say if there's a higher rated quarterback georgia signed carson beck out of uh, jacksonville uh he you know he's a very high four star some would call him a five star quarterback uh you know if there's a higher rated quarterback in the state of florida why not go get that guy and say, "Oh well, we'll take the highest-rated quarterback in Georgia." If that quarterback's not in your mind in your recruiting evaluation, uh, better than the other guy. So I, th- I think Georgia is b- has put themselves in a position where they can be very choosy, uh, because uh, you know they can walk into almost any you know, home in the country and say, hey, we're Georgia and we're interested in you. And that doesn't mean the kid's going to sign with Georgia, but it certainly does mean that the kid will listen and not just dismiss them outright.
0: Tommy, what else is on your mind?
1: Well, I I was going to ask
2: Matt uh, uh, another question. Uh, How much progress uh, from year one to year two did Georgia Tech make? Three-star football players are not bad football players, folks. They can really play.
1: Oh absolutely. I mean uh, those are backbones of your program uh, for most college football programs. And again, you don't want to get too caught up in the numerical but it's the way we judge these high school players. We all know there's plenty of three-star quarterbacks or not quarterbacks but or quarterbacks, three-star players who end up going on to play in the National Football League and there's some four and five-star uh, high school players that never make it to the National Football League—it's all about what you do once you get on campus and, and you play, and how you get coached up, and how you develop mentally, physically, emotionally, uh, from a maturity standpoint into a you know a, adult and play in the National Football League. But to answer your question about Georgia Tech, they made huge strides this year. Uh, the the four-star getting Jameer, Jameer Gibbs out of Dalton really was the crowning piece of their recruiting class—the highest-rated player, a guy that uh, to sharp. Choice, who's the running backs coach there, former Georgia Tech player. back when Jeff Collins was there the first time under Chan Gailey. Uh, and uh, played a huge role in locking in to Jameer Gibbs early when other people in the country weren't as high on Jameer Gibbs as he ultimately ended up being in the recruiting rankings, and that paid huge dividends for Georgia Tech to get him and to get the uh, quarterback uh, Sims out of Jacksonville. Interesting enough, the two quarterbacks, high-profile quarterbacks signed by both Georgia and Georgia Tech, coming out of Jacksonville this year. Uh, mm-hmm. The kid Beck, the pick, kid Beck came out of Mandarin, and then Sims coming out of Sandalwood High Schools. Uh, but, yeah, Tech made huge strides this year. Just an entirely uh, different recruiting philosophy and outlook and strategy than under the previous administration of Paul Johnson, uh, which, of course, ran a totally different kind of offensive system and the whole thing. And, you know, I always said that, you know, not only did that triple option hurt Georgia tech from a recruiting standpoint and they had success with it. And I think we all should acknowledge that Paul Johnson did have ultimately more success than failure than at Georgia tech. I think that's pretty obvious. He did a good job, but not where Georgia tech wanted to be ultimately. And that's where they've landed with uh, Jeff Collins to try to put the program more in a talent standpoint that they had under the days of Chan Gailey, when they were producing NFL stars, uh, NFL Mm -hmm. guys that went on to become NFL players, Uh, But, you know, and again, I got it kind of off track there. But when you recruited to the triple option offense, that also impacted your recruiting on the defensive side of the ball, too, because players didn't necessarily want to come in and be practicing against the triple option every day in practice. So it had not only an effect on the offensive players that you brought into the program, but in my mind, also the defensive players.
0: And then uh, looking at the other schools around the state, Matt, you know, we we see From the Jeff Fisher algorithm over at High School Football America, where Georgia's the number three state in the country when it comes to talent going to the next level, you see Georgia Mm -hmm. State staying at home and getting kids. You see the leading rusher in the state of Alabama going to Georgia Southern you see what's going on at Mercer keeping kids at home. Savannah State, we mentioned it on the show, really diving into the 229 and the 912 to keep kids at home, to keep that program around. You're really seeing the talent here in Georgia, A, staying home, and just the amount of talent that the schools in state, you know, Valdosta State, another another program mm-hmm. that we can talk about, too, where you have all of these Georgia kids staying at home, and a lot of kids that, Tommy, you, we, the three of us get to see on a weekly basis, having chances to play right now
2: yeah i was going to ask matt another one if he has time to yeah uh, go for yeah. it go for keep, it an- keep answering my question yeah were, were you surprised that uh dj Lundy Lundy uh chose florida state over his offer to go to the university of georgia
1: you know i don't know that i'm surprised uh you know i think ultimately everybody has to make the uh, determination Uh, you know, what do you want out of your college football experience? And I think everybody's got a different answer to that question. Me, if I was to put myself in the shoes of a college football recruit, for me, I'd be looking at how soon do I get to play and how much am I going to get to play? because let me tell you I don't think it's any fun sitting on the sidelines and certainly uh, while uh, the, the, there are kids that recognize they got to take a red shirt I wouldn't think a red shirt would be a whole lot of fun either but it's a necessity and it, it happens and you know some kids accept it and and some kids you know excel because of it and really develop in that extra year that they get so I can't answer that question for Lundy I'm just I'm just kind of guessing that London Lundy looked at the situation looked at the groundwork looked at the lay of the land and said you know what I got a better opportunity to play and play quicker and more often at Florida State and I couldn't fault I'm him just, for that with, I just remember pardon me for interrupting
2: but I just remember you were really taken with him uh, in the state championship games what a really good football player he was
1: no, absolutely. You know, we chose him to be our uh, two way MVP from the entire state championship game coverage we had there at Georgia State. He was the most outstanding two- way player that I thought we saw, you know, and uh, in in the entire uh, two days of our coverage.
0: All right, guys, yeah. let me ask you this as we're now in the I guess the third quarter of the show this week. We've had, when this is the first time we've really had the chance to talk about this kind of stuff, is that coaching carousel, and to borrow a line from Logan's Run, and that's everybody's Google search for today who's listening to the show, the movie Logan's Run, uh, with carousel, now is the time for renewal. And we've had coaching uh. changes here in the offseason. Matt, it's been a lot of the marquee names that have had coaching changes, whether it's retirement or whatever. And uh, where would you like to start? You want to start with Lowndes and Randy McPherson?
1: Sure. Let's just hope that when they get to the top of the carousel, they don't get zapped like they did in the
0: movie. True. Uh,
1: <laughs> so, yeah, the, the, in this case, at the top of the carousel for Randy McPherson, it was retirement after a stellar career. Uh, it first in Florida where he won, you know, he was a state championship contender there. And then he came to the state of Georgia and coach for close to another 20 years, won three state championships at Lounge, and got close again this year. Uh, before falling to Marietta in, in the state finals, so uh, congratulations to him, number one on a great career. We'll miss him uh, on Football Fridays in Georgia, no doubt about that. Um, but I think you know, kind of Lowndes kind of made a big statement when they they went outside the state. You know, they didn't promote, they didn't, uh, and and I say they didn't promote because uh, the defensive coordinator for Randy McPherson. Did get a promotion. He becomes the head coach at Hillgrove, and we'll talk about that a little bit more. But uh, yeah, they went outside the state to you know a, a big name uh, coach over in the state of Alabama, and Jamie Dubose, who had been at Prattville, and then most recently was in Phoenix City at Central High School there.
0: Then Tommy, we mentioned what's going on with Hillgrove and Lounds. Hillgrove's Philip Ironside ends up going to Worth County. That was the stunner, I think, in all of this.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that, was, that, that is a stunner. Uh, you, you know, unless it's one of these uh, I want to go back home moves, and I did not investigate, you know, where they're from. Yeah, he just and- wanted
0: the small-town feel. That's uh, literally in the interviews. He wanted. To, he'd heard all of this time about what it was like to coach in a small town here in the state of Georgia and get that feel, and he's going to be getting that now in Sylvester. Well,
2: in Sylvester, he's, he's got an opportunity there to really build a good program. They're good athletes there. And they've gone through many, many coaching changes over the last 10 or 12 years. But uh, Worth is a good program where they have a tremendous heritage from 20, 30 years ago. And I'm sure he probably did his research and decided, you know, I'd like to go there. And uh, the, the 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 county of Worth, uh,
1: certainly has plenty of athletes.
0: Matt, when you look at Philip Ironside leaving Hillgrove and heading south, what entered your mind?
1: Well, I mean, you're talking about the only coach that Hillgrove had, 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 had ever had. Uh, you'd had a lot of stability there. Um, it was much like uh, the McEachern situation. Of course, McEachern's their big rival, and just last year, uh, you know, the coach Hawkman left McEachern and went South, uh, kind of, uh, uh, I don't, you know, I don't want to put it the wrong way, but kind of a retirement job, kind of a move to the coast kind of thing. Yeah. You know, this is mm-hmm. yeah, and I don't know whether this is the case with Ironside or not, but it sounds kind of like that. Okay, I've done the big city thing. It's time to, you know, let's let's take it down a notch from the busy side of life. And I don't know, I mean, you know, these some of these small towns in high school football, I can't speak to Sylvester and Worth, but you know they can be tough places to coach. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt about that because the microscope is on you 24-7, twenty-four-seven, three sixty-five even more so than you get in some of these metro Atlanta schools, which, you know, they get lost in the shuffle of the busyness of the area surrounding them. So it could be it could be an easier thing or it could be a much tougher thing. I don't know. And that remains to be seen. But uh, yeah, that's what jumped out to me about the Hillgrove thing is, wow, this is a big transition. This is a big hire for them. They have not had to make one since they uh, started the program over a decade ago. So yeah, I think uh, think that's what stands out in my mind.
0: And then Tommy, obviously the situation in Valdosta as we're talking is still in flux, but... The the idea right now that Alan Rodemaker was voted out by the, the board of uh, the board of education down there in the city of Valdosta by a five four vote and it's still in flux as we're talking so we don't necessarily want to put uh, a period at the end of the sentence but it's just a, another situation in Valdosta where you're you're sitting there and it, there's a lot of question marks attached.
2: Well, the thing that uh, concerned me was that was probably the biggest shock to me in the after season you know uh it i, I could not believe it when i read it I, I thought it was a misprint the first time i saw it right but uh it, it it's a shocker uh you hate it for him and you have to wonder you know if they do not change their vote what's he going to do this is a man with a 37 and 16 record a state championship region championships playing in arguably the toughest uh, 6A region in the state of Georgia. W- where's he going to go? Right. You know, time's moving along here.
0: Matt, about Alan Rodemaker.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, from what I was able to read, it sounded like he was totally blindsided by the vote, by the school board. He had no idea it was coming. Uh, in fact, he wasn't even at the school board meeting. He he kind of figured that you know his approval – to be the head coach again uh was a rubber stamp there was no need for him to be there to argue his case and as tommy pointed out he's had a tremendous record uh you know the way well, they were back in the state quarterfinals this year and i think uh was it the state quarters of the semi-finals the year before i think the semis yeah and, and yeah i think or maybe not i well anyway it's another deep, deep playoff, playoff. playoff. Yeah. And, you know, the program, you know, we don't have to go into low history over 20 state championships and all that kind of stuff. There's a bunch of high pressure on the job. But, you know, from what I read, I don't want to speculate because I'm not uh, plugged in. But it was not about uh, it wasn't about record and it didn't sound like it was about character or anything. I'm not exactly sure what it was, but it uh, certainly didn't sound like it was right and that uh, Alan Rodemaker got a raw deal there.
0: And we'll keep an eye on that as the offseason continues. Gentlemen, that is another round of the Football Fridays in Georgia podcast. Tommy, thanks as always for uh, coming in with us from Statesboro. We'll be catching up with you in just a little bit. And, Matt, thanks for your insights as always when it comes to uh, one of the seasons that is here in the South. It is not summer, fall, winter, and spring. It is football, spring, football, Cruton, and National Signing Day. Thanks, guys. Thank you. you enjoyed it. That is another round of the Football Fridays in Georgia podcast here at Georgia Public Broadcasting. Subscribe on your favorite podcatchers. The show is, as always, produced by the irreplaceable Sean Powers. Play it safe, everybody. We'll see you next time.